Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, you're listening to the wonderful host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm graduating in the May from the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism. I don't know if I'll be walking. Probably not. Looks like we'll be doing it online. But before I graduate, please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.MyPortfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design for today's show. As always, jam-packed show for you guys. Uh, we got a special edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks today. We're doing crossover week, so I'll be hopping on with all the NL West hosts of their podcast. Today, I'm hopping on with the host of the Dodgers pod, uh, podcast, Jeff Snyder. So we just chop it up a little bit, go go in-depth about our two teams, have a little bit back and forth. So guys are going to want to stay tuned for that because that's going to take up segment one and segment two, num- uh, segment number two today. So there's going to be no Muted Mondays and no Player Spotlight series. It's going to be the whole crossover talk today between the Dodgers and the D-backs. So stay tuned for that. But first, if your company is interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if you want to reach men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, our rate to the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. Now, here's that conversation between me and Dodger, Locked On Dodgers host Jeff Snyder. All right, Millard, why don't you start? Ask me something about the Dodgers. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so obviously you guys had that big trade, Mookie Betts, David Price from the Red Sox. So how do you see Mookie Betts projecting into the lineup? Where do you see him in the, the lineup in terms of batting order? And then what do you think his stats will kind of be in 2020? And then the same for David Price. Where do you see him in the rotation? And then how do you think he'll pitch uh, in the Dodgers blue? Yeah, uh, Mookie, I, I think he'll probably mostly bat leadoff. That's where he's batted most of his career. And, you know, the only downside of that is he does have power. And and obviously batting leadoff, you're guaranteeing him at least one one about a game with nobody on base. So limiting the RBI somewhat. But uh, I think what he brings, uh, his patience at the plate, his ability to get on base, I, I still think, and, you know, and then the the speed of a traditional leadoff man too, I think it makes sense for him to bat leadoff. And and I expect him to have a pretty solid year. I mean, last year was kind of a down year for him, and it was still really, really good. (laughs) And so, yeah, I mean, Mookie Betts is – the way I've said it, you know, if you ask 100 baseball experts who's the best player in baseball, 100 of them would say Mike Trout. But then if you ask them all who's the second best player, you know, you probably get 40 or 50 people saying Mookie Betts. And so that's a – it's hard to picture him having a bad season. Um and with the rest of the Dodgers stacked lineup, it seems like uh, he, I imagine he'll be comfortable. Uh, you know, I don't know how much uh, lineup protection, I don't know how how real that is or if it's a myth, but uh, if lineup protection exists, I think the Dodgers lineup will uh, will prove it this year. Uh, and as for David Price, you know, the Dodgers are only paying half a seller, so they're paying him $16 million a year uh, and basically to be their number three starter. And uh, David Price would not be the first the first player ever to leave Boston and get away from that scrutiny and suddenly uh, refine the joy of playing baseball and, and bounce back. 
And so I expect David Price to honestly to be one of the the best number three starters in baseball and more than worth what the Dodgers are paying for him. Mm, yeah, I would probably agree with you there. Moogie Betts is just uh, a five-tool player. He could do a little bit of everything on the on the baseball field, and he's been an MVP guy before. So, as a D-backs guy, that was definitely one that was tough to swallow. That was a tough pill to swallow. I mean, such a big upgrade for your team. Already one of the nastiest lineups in baseball to add him to to the lineup, and then add a guy like David Price into the rotation. Who he may not be what he was in Tampa Bay, but he's still been pretty good for the Red Sox the last couple of years. And he was really one of the key cogs in that World Series championship. So I thought it was a great trade for the Dodgers overall, and they really upgraded their. Team this offseason yeah. so now what do you want to know from me as the d-backs well let's talk about your offense too um you know last year carson kelly kind of uh surprised some people with how well he hit christian walker was a pretty darn adequate replacement for paul goldschmidt at first base obviously could tell Marte came out of nowhere and just had you know so far what was a career year um you know but uh, in the off season, really the the only main change to the offense, or the biggest one anyway, was uh, acquiring Starling Marte, who obviously is an upgrade over the corpse of Adam Jones that was playing last year. Um, but do do you feel like the Diamondbacks are counting on a lot of guys repeating uh, repeating success that they had last year that that maybe was unexpected? And does that make you nervous at all that uh, that they might not be able to repeat? their their performance yeah i would agree that they are expecting guys to be repeating or at least be close to where they were last year a lot of you know media do, does think the d-backs are prime for a regression because of it they had a lot of guys like you mentioned carson kelly christian walker even like a guy like eduardo escobars or at Ketel Marte. they all had like big years career years that they've, you know, could be considered an outlier in their career or just pretty much the best season they've ever had up until this point in their career. So for a lot of players on the D-backs last year, that was the case. So a lot of, you know, people around baseball think they're primed for regression this year. But I do think a lot of their guys can repeat what they did last year. I don't think what a lot of them did was like overly phenomenal where you're like, oh, that's, you can't do that again. A lot of it's what you just see around baseball as a whole. You see a lot of 25 to 30 home run guys batting 260. I think that's a lot of what the D-backs had last year. If you just look at a guy like Christian Walker, he, he's like the model that batted 259, 29 home runs. Eduardo Escobar, he had like 35 bombs, but he only had he only batted like 265, 270 as well. So I think the D-backs have a lot of guys who, who had a lot of power last year, 25 to 30 bombs, but didn't hit for a high average. So I do think it's replicable. Only the guy who, who might give you a pause for concern is Ketel Marte because – if you want to win a bar bet with someone, you could just bet them how high he finished in MVP voting because he finished fourth last year, and I don't think a lot of people realize that. Ketel Marte really put the team on his back last season. I do think he can could continue that in 2020. I think he will be the face of the franchise for the D-backs for the next 8 to 10 to 12 years and will be uh, replacing Goldschmidt as a new face of the Arizona Diamondbacks for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that'll be really interesting. I'm Ketel Marte might be the most intriguing story in baseball for me going into 2020, whenever the season does eventually start. Um, because, you know, so much of it was related to a power surge and obviously seeing how the whole league had a power surge last year uh, and wondering what will the ball look like in 2020? And, and you know, it seems like Ketel Marte might be a prime candidate to be 
negatively affected if baseball does deaden the ball again uh, to even to 2017, 2018 levels, or, you know, if they went back to 2015 levels, then who knows what could happen. We'll be right back with the continuation of that conversation after this quick message. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On treat sports fans. But you may not know that the Locked On Diamondbacks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Diamondback fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Diamondback fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. Let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back for the continuation of the conversation between me and Jeff Snyder, host of the Locked on Dodgers podcast. Here it is. But after your acquisition of Mookie Betts and David Price, how do you rank the Dodgers heading into 2020? Do you think they're the the main favorites as the World Series champions, or do you look at the Yankees with their addition of Garrett Cole as like on an equal playing field? So who do you think is primed to win the 2020 World Series, Dodgers, the field, or you and the Yankees are on the same tier, and then it's everyone else. Yeah, you, you know, the Yankees are interesting. I definitely think the Dodgers are the on-paper favorites to reach the World Series from the National League. Um, obviously, anything can happen. That's why they play the games, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, on paper, they're definitely the favorites. Uh, the Yankees, you know, obviously Garrett Cole is an upgrade to any team, uh, and but then, you know uh, – James Paxton is hurt. Uh, uh, Luis Severino is hurt, you know, and so they're pitching even with, even with Garrett Cole added to the pitching staff, their, their pitching is a big question mark. And then you have their offense that, you know, obviously had a ton of home runs last year was really, really good. Uh, but you know, I have kind of the, some, some of the same questions about the Yankees that I have about the Diamondbacks of these guys who came out of nowhere, uh, can they repeat it? You know, can Luke Voigt and, and man, I can't even remember a lot of these guys' names, Gio Urshela, you know, uh, all these guys who, who really, uh, Mike Talkman, the, these guys, Mike Talkman couldn't make it with the Rockies. And then suddenly he's a world beater with the Yankees. You know, uh, it's guys like that, that you think, okay, LeMayhew. could they fall apart? Yeah. DJ LeMayhew, you know, he, he's kind of a different story because the, the, he hit really well in Colorado, but uh, nobody was sure how he would he would hit outside of Colorado. And then he was he was great last year, so you know that could stay. But also he's not young, and at some age, at some point, everybody as you get older, you get worse. That's just kind of the way baseball works. So, uh, and then with lingering injuries for for Judge and Stanton and and those guys, you know, I I wouldn't bet against the Yankees being good. But uh, I have a feeling it's not going to happen the way that we expect it to. It seems like uh, 
you know, somebody, somebody they're expecting to be good is going to be bad. They're going to need other people to step up. And so, uh, you know, as far as favorites to win the world series, anything can happen in a seven game series. I, I still, uh, you know, the 2017 world series proved that to me that, uh, you know, there were 30 different things that could have gone slightly differently and the Dodgers would have won that world series, whether it's, you know, uh, game two and game five, both with the extra innings. And so obviously either of those games could have gone different ways, you know, if the Astros hadn't been cheating cheaters, you know, there's a, a million different things. And so in any series, I, I wouldn't put money on anybody. And one of the reasons I'm not a betting man, uh, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Dodgers in the World Series against either the Yankees or the Astros this year. Yeah, being from the East Coast, it always seems like the Yankees always find those diamond the rough players. They always seem to find just a guy off the streets that could just come in, hit them 20 to 25 home runs. That's what they love to do. That's their brand is, you know, the long ball. So the Yankees always try to find guys like that. But I do think the Dodgers have a better team on paper in terms of rotation and uh, strength of the lineup, especially after adding a MVP guy like Mookie Betts. Uh, the Yankees, I do think, have maybe more potency with their guys who can hit the long ball. They have more, I think, like 30 to 40 home run guys than the Dodgers. But I also think injury concerns are a problem for the Yankees in terms of Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge. Uh, you see Luis Severino is probably going to miss the, I think, what, did they said the whole season, I think, for the Yankees? Yeah. So guys yeah. like some of their best players are always seem to be injury prone. I think that could come up and bite them on their heels, uh, maybe in the playoffs or during the season. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Diamondbacks pitching because, you know, it, it's really interesting what the Diamondbacks have going on uh, that, you know, they traded for Zach Gallen, which uh, he, that's a really intriguing move to me. Um, one thing that Zach Gallen uh, has struggled with so far in the big leagues is, is something that looks like maybe a lot of Diamondbacks pitchers have struggled with, which is uh, walking guys. And for specifically, when I think of the Dodgers going up against the Diamondbacks, the Dodgers have a team of patient hitters. You know, basically everybody except Corey Seager is like notoriously patient at the plate. And you have guys who, you know, basically – uh, Luke Weaver and Merrill, Merrill Kelly are really the only D-backs pitchers who don't walk a bunch of guys. Um, you know, they had Zach Greinke, but he's not there anymore. And so when, when you think about who do you, who do you look to on the D-backs rotation to go up against the Dodgers lineup, this, you know, potent lineup, uh, patient lineup, uh, if the D-backs are going to make a run in the National League West, what pitchers are you expecting to step up in that run? <clears throat> well, I think a lot of the D-backs have been talking about this, a lot of the pitchers. And the tone is going to be set with Madison Bumgarner, the big off-season acquisition from the NL West rivals, the San Francisco Giants. So he's a champion. He's been there before. He's a proven guy in the World Series and the playoffs. So he's definitely going to set the tone for the team and the rest of the rotation. They're just going to kind of follow his lead. He's arguably coming off the worst season he's ever had. His ERA was almost four. It was like about 3.9. So if he could bring that down a little bit and really get back to that Cy Young candidate that he's been with the Giants, and I think it will really set the tone for the rest of the D-backs rotation. And then the D-backs also have a lot of young starting pitching. As you mentioned, Zach Gallen, uh, Luke Weaver. So those guys really need to find their potential and their stride in 2020. Luke Weaver saw some forearm issues that uh, cut his season short. And then Zach Gallen only got like 15 starts under his belt. 
in 2020. So if those guys could really start to emerge as like everyday starters, then I think it would help the D-backs a lot in terms of uh, their rotation and, you know, stability. The D-backs have a lot of guys, uh, you know, there's no more spring training now, but in spring training, they had about seven or eight pitchers vying for those five spots and really about a two or three pitchers vying for like that fourth and fifth spot and like a Alex Young, a Taylor Clark, a Merrill Kelly, a Mike Leake. He had like four guys batting for a couple of those spots in the rotation, even as Zach Allen wasn't a guaranteed guy. So he had a lot of pitchers vying for uh, rotation spots. Now with spring training, you know, being cut short, we didn't get to see the full culmination of battling out for those last rotation spots. So it's, it's, I'm curious to see what Toy Lovello, Mike Hayes, and how they decide to put this rotation together to start the season. But with Madison Bumgarner at the top, and if you can have a guy like Luke Weaver and Zach Allen really discover their potential in 2020, I think that's what the D-backs really need to lean on if they want to have a chance of making a run at one of those uh, wild card spots in 2020. Well, that that's good. I'm obviously not rooting for the D-backs to be too successful, but I am definitely rooting for them to to find some success because I think baseball is more interesting with more good teams. And I, I hope that the National League West – between the D-backs and, and the Padres, I don't think the Rockies and Giants are gonna are gonna do much this season. But I'm hopeful that the D-backs and the Padres will take a step forward and, and make it for a really interesting 2020 season. Uh, because you know, I, I love baseball. Obviously, I'm a Dodger guy first and foremost, but I'm a baseball fan and I like watching good baseball. And so I hope that we get some uh, knockdown, dragout fights uh, on the on the baseball field between the Dodgers and D-backs this year. You know. I don't know how many games they'll get to play, but uh, hopefully however many games they get to play will be well-fought battles that can be uh, fun for baseball fans for all of us. Yeah. Uh, speaking of on-the-field battles, as a Dodgers person, do you think uh, when the Astros come into town or we can go to Houston, do you think your pitchers are going to maybe take a offense to the Dodgers, maybe hit them with a couple of beamers, you know, high fastballs while they're in their stadiums? Or do you think, you know, maybe with these couple of months off, they have a chance to reset and calm their nerves a little bit? Well, it'll actually be more than a couple of months because the Dodgers don't get to play the Astros this year at all. And, and until the postseason, you know, if they both made the World Series. But uh, and, and so I think by the time the Dodgers and Astros play each other again, there will be so much time, so many different players on the rosters that, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not in favor of beanballs, uh, even just from the practical standpoint of it gives the Astros base runners and helps them win. And so I would much rather have a pitcher strike a guy out and then flip him off than uh, hit him with a pitch. Uh, you know, and maybe just a figurative flip off, you know, some sort of Yoan Lopez uh, chest pound, maybe. But uh, yeah, I don't think uh, I, I don't think I don't think we're going to see much of it from any team. Honestly, I think the fans will make their feelings heard. But I think on the field, I think teams are mostly going to be wanting to uh, be extra mo- motivated to succeed against the Astros rather than physically hurt them. Yeah, we definitely saw uh, in spring training, at least, uh, teams get some retaliation. I think they led spring training hit by pitches. So teams would definitely get their retaliation in there. But like you said, I'm not a fan of it either. I think there's just so much injury risk and concern when you're throwing those 100-mile-an-hour balls at pitcher at batters' heads. I think there's just too much risk and injury in that. And then you don't want a player responding with a bat either. So I think there's just a lot of cause of concern on both sides. But... 
Yeah, I didn't even realize that the Dodgers and Astros weren't playing each other this season. So that's definitely, you know, takes a little luster off the the rivalry there. But who knows, maybe in the World Series, they'll get back there and uh, actually prove to everyone that they deserve to be in the World Series and they weren't cheating this whole time. Yeah, yeah, I guess we'll see. So I guess that wraps up our Dodgers D-backs National League West preview. Uh, Millard, it's been fun talking to you. I look forward to, you know, we'll have to get together this season, uh, you know, whenever the season starts, uh, maybe get together a time or two before some series and uh, talk a little trash to each other on these podcasts. Oh, definitely. These D-back fans, they want me to come after any Dodgers players, so Dodgers fans in general. So I know they would be revved up for those cross-town uh, rivalry series. And uh, Yeah, and hopefully I can do my part in reminding Dodger fans that the D-backs exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're coming back. We got Ketel Marte leading it, so we'll see. But good talking to you, Jeff. And I look forward to speaking to you uh, speaking to you again in the future. Yeah, we'll do it again soon. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to today's special edition of the crossover episode between the deed uh, between the D backs and the Dodgers. Go check out Jeff Snyder's podcast, Locked On Dodgers. Go cr- uh, catch the crossover episode there as well. And then tune back in tomorrow because we'll be continuing crossover week. So I'll be hopping on with another host tomorrow. So definitely tune in for that. Stay safe, everyone, and thank you for listening. Peace.